Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically, on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy, listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Hope things are going great with you. Big show today. And you know, it's kind of the history of current events, particularly this kind of wild deal that happened with the supposed insurrection and mutiny of the Wagner Group against the Russian military, etc., etc., I'm going to give you the history of the Wagner Group. There's probably lots you don't know. And this is not some group that's uh, just Ukrainian-oriented. They're around the globe, raping, mayhem, getting natural resources, amassing billions of dollars, and tens upon tens of thousands of convicts who they've trained into pretty good fighters. There's more going on than meets the eye. And that will be the rest of the story. And if we have time... We're going to get you a little bit more update on the Silk Road, the brilliant Silk Road initiative by China, because they're kind of racking up victory after victory after victory. If you didn't hear the history of the Silk Road several weeks ago, go into the archives and listen on the rightsideradio.com. This is a major undertaking, and it's kind of a, oh, shall we say, a slapdown of the West and an ascendancy of China around the globe. I mean, it's one of the, it's probably the most ambitious infrastructure project ever taken up in humankind's history, and they're getting it done. It's pretty impressive. And I have a few more economic statistics for you, which tie into the last two months shows on the Fed, the history of money, the history of the Fed, the history of the banking system, the history of recessions, which I think you'll find interesting. And then, of course, we're going to have rat-a-tat-tat, and there's a bunch of that all across the board in terms of the news items. But first, let's start off with the founder's quote, shall we? Alexander Hamilton. And you know, given the corruption of the Biden family, which by the way, we're going to go into not in great depth today, but enough to kind of bring you up to speed, to tie in the snippets you probably have heard hither, yither, and yon, because we have a traitor in the White House. We have corruption at the highest level, which is spread out to many other levels on many other agencies. And it's a huge problem. But Alexander Hamilton, quote, foreign influence is truly the Grecian horse to a republic. We cannot be too careful to exclude its influence, unquote. Yes, that certainly is the case, particularly with Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, the rest of the Biden clan, all his disciples in cabal. (laughs) In regards to China, to Russia, to Ukraine, and who knows who else. Hopefully, we'll find out. And hopefully, at least this once, people will be held fully accountable. How about our rant story for today? But first, I want to welcome yet another great AM station around the country to the On the Right Side radio affiliate fold. Welcome, KNTH, Mighty KNTH, Houston, Texas. Glad to be on with you, folks. Glad to be talking to you. Now, the ranch store. You know, when you cut hay on a ranch, particularly if it's if some of that hay is going to go to horses, horse quality hay, which is above cow quality hay, it needs to be dry, it needs to be green, it needs to be yummy to the horses. And water is the enemy. It's the friend, it's the ally of growing the hay. It is the enemy to swathing the hay, raking the hay, 
baling the hay, stacking the hay. And we have had water up the Yazoo here in Wyoming. Very unusual. I think we're at almost 300% of spring precipitation, and it's like coming in every day, at least in the afternoons, and thunderstorms, etc. So haying operations, which should have started everywhere two or three weeks ago around here, basically are at a standstill. Nobody can get anything done. They can't cut it. They can't bale it. They can't swath it. And if they did cut it a little bit early, it's lying out in the fields molding, in which case, basically, you have to burn it. You can't sell it. So we're sitting here with the field staked out as the obstacles and hay line cuts and all sorts of stuff, and we can't do squat. As much as we want to and as much as we are tempted to, we just have to wait for the right conditions to make great hay. And you know what, folks? The moral of that story is sometimes patience results in making great hay. Now let's get started. The history of the Wagner Group. First of all, what is the Wagner Group? You've heard about them, I'm sure, in passing, but there's way more than meets the eye. They are a quote-unquote private military contractor. They've been in business with the Kremlin for almost a decade now. They're a mercenary unit, which allows Russia to extend its influence really around the globe, as you're about to learn, and to amass all sorts of riches to extract its toll, if you will, in the form of natural resources from countries in Africa and South America and wherever that the Wagner Group is sent at Russian command, which they deny, to prop up dictators and do special mercenary-type favors. You know about them mostly because of their prominence on the battleground in Ukraine. And although he's not the military head of it, so to speak, he has field commanders who really command the troops, the top cheese is a guy by the name of Prigozhin. And Prigozhin is an interesting character, a, conv a convict, by the way. And, <laughs> yeah, for felonies, no less. And he used to be a chef. In fact, he was a chef for Putin. He, he was a hot dog vendor, amongst other kinds of food like that. And he used to host events at the Kremlin at Putin's request, which is how they got to know each other. They've known each other for decades, in fact. I'm going to get into more detail here for you, but private military companies, which are called PMCs, are technically illegal under the Russian Constitution. That means this group, which has been sanctioned, oh, big deal, by the U.S., the EU, Austria, you know, the usual Western group, allows the Kremlin kind of plausible deniability. You know, oh, we didn't know they were doing that. They're not under our control. And Wagner casualties don't have to be formally acknowledged. Their torture tactics can fly under the radar. Foreign states can contribute to their coffers to support operations in various nefarious ways for various nefarious reasons, and nobody ever knows. Wagner has grown into a behemoth, folks. I mean, it's really the most far-reaching, quote-unquote, terror private military crew in the world now. And their specialty is operating in the shadows and brokering kind of big money deals in return for well-trained former felon fighters in poor and conflict-ridden nations, which are rich in natural resources, as you'll see. And one of the reasons they've been so successful at recruiting tens of thousands of fighters is because they've been recruiting from prisons. 30,000 or so in the last year convicts recruited into the Wagner embrace, if you will. Their insignia, by the way, is kind of a skull and crossbones, which tells you a little bit. You know, kind of like the old pirate flag? That's what it reminds me of. But they pay almost twice as much, in fact, in some cases, more than twice as much to their soldiers as the Russian military pays to its soldiers. The median salary that's offered to Russia's military personnel 
ranges from 70,000 to 100,000 rubles, which, by the way, in U.S. terms right now, is 930 to $1,330. Does that kind of put things in perspective for you? The Wagner Group pays about 200,000 rubles, or $3,500. And by the way, we're talking, we're talking like, this is not monthly, okay? This is quarterly, semi-annually, or annually. Now think about what our service members get paid, and they deserve every dime. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000, it depends upon your rank and your tenure and your the length of your service. If a Wagner soldier, or should we say a trained convict, trained mercenary convict, gets killed in battle, their families get 5 million rubles. That's about $60,000. Wagner recruits five to 800 new soldiers per day on average. And at any given time, there's 1,000 to 20,000 troops in the Wagner divisions being trained. Billions of dollars, billions. We're not talking hundreds of millions here. Of companies which are linked to the Wagner Group, there's over 60 different shell organizations they've set up around the world to launder money. I'm sure some of it goes back to the Kremlin. I'm positive some of the natural resources they strip out of these countries they are quote-unquote helping, or dictators they are propping up, either at the request of the dictators and at the command of Putin or a combination comes from natural resources that the Wagner Group gets in exchange for providing these quote-unquote security services in Africa, the Middle East, South America. I have a great video. I mean, it's shocking, really. It's an investigative study that took them some time by the Wall Street Journal, and it's really fascinating. They have all the various shell companies that they set up around the world, each and every one of their involvements in countries around the globe, what they got in return for the, shall we say, dictatorial support. And I don't have the time to go into all those details here on the show. I strongly suggest you watch that Wall Street Journal, particularly as you hear the rest of the story of this little historical diversion we're taking. So Pergozin, a convicted criminal, and Wagner's billionaire, let me underline that, billionaire owner who was a chef just 10 years ago, started this military back in 2014. Pergozin is wanted in the United States, oh well, shiver me timbers, for meddling in the 2016 elections, of course. I mean, <laughs> that might be the only thing he's ever been accused of, which he didn't do, based on what we've learned. And at that time, he was head of Russia's Internet Research Agency, quote unquote, and he denied involvement in the Wagner Group, by the way, just so you know how clandestine all this stuff is, until September of last year, right? I mean, for all these years, he said, I don't have anything to do with this. And then you find out through YouTube and videos and speeches and et cetera that he has everything to do with it. In November of last year, uh, flush with riches from around the world and obviously with the blessing of the Kremlin and Putin, he actually opened an office. They have an office building in St. Petersburg, Russia. And it's now advertising jobs, you know, come kill, rape, maim, and burn, etc., and pillage, on Twitter and Facebook even, right? So much for the controls of violence and such and such on social media, which seems to be directed only at the American right when you really get down into this. And lately, they've been seeking gamers who fly drones. Hmm, what could that pretend for the future? So in 2014, the Wagner Group is formed. Since the beginning, since the very beginning, it maintained a low-key presence in eastern Ukraine. Let me tie something in for you. What happened in 2014? Go back to our history of Ukraine. If you didn't listen to it, 
please do. It was ooh, a year, a year and a half ago. You can find it in the archives and on the Right Side Radio. Uh, it will tell you much about what's going on over there and not what's in the Western press. Well, in 2014, Barack Obama overthrew the duly elected government of Ukraine. And it's obvious that Putin's response was to begin to set up what we see playing out now. The Russians think, kind of like the Chinese, very long term, not day to day like our erstwhile leaders think. And that's an oxymoron, by the way, when I use the word think relative to them. In December of 2017, and this is a broad brush sketch, once again, you, you really... I recommend you watch this video uh, of this investigative report by the Wall Street Journal. It's excellent. In December of 2017, the Wider Group deploys hundreds of its men to put down local uprisings, right, against the government of Sudan's dictator, Omar al-Bashir. As payment, and this is where the model of all this came from, Bergozin controlled M-Invest, that's one of his shell companies, received exclusive rights, exclusive rights, to gold mining in Sudan. Think about the price of gold right now. Think about Russia and the BRICS country and their alternative currency, which is emerging, backed by gold and commodities. You see, this is all tied in. February of 2018, Russian mercenaries from the Wagner Group attack American forces, American Special Operations Troops, and their Syrian Democratic Forces, or SDF as they're called, allies, and the Kurds, and seize oil and gas fields in Syria, ostensibly to protect them for Putin's ally Bashar al-Assad's government, right? The guy that Obama wanted to remove. Do you see how all this is tied in? Oh, yeah, this isn't like this happened today. This has been in the works for a long time. And what do they get paid? Oh, a share of the oil production proceeds. Pergozin connected oil companies, like one of them is Evropolis. Once again, watch this Wall Street Journal video. They were offered a 25% cut of any earnings from any oil and gas fields that the group freed from either ISIS or the United States and its allies' control. And there were four different fields that they, shall we say, re-seized. Imagine the wealth flowing from those. In August of 2018, they went into the Central African Republic, C-A-R, and Russian authorities signed an agreement under which, quote, primarily former military officers, unquote, yeah, right, from Russia, that were called specialists in this agreement, would train Central African Republic forces. And this was to prop up the very weak Tudera government over there. Three Russian journalists, by the way, as an aside, arrived in the CAR to investigate the Wagner forces, Gee, they were ambushed and killed. Imagine that. And what did they get in return for that? Oh, diamond and gold mining licenses. Hmm. Imagine that. You know, the commodity-based BRICS currency that's coming? Mm-hmm. April 2019, General Haftar. He was a commander of the Libyan National Army. Oh, here we go. Obama and Hillary. Remember when they knocked off Gaddafi and destabilized Lebanon? Yeah. And Libya? Anyway, the Libyan National Army, they're waging a fight against Libya's internationally recognized government of national accord. This was the internationally recognized government. You know, the Western countries, the New World Order. Hundreds of Wagner mercenaries are sent into the country. And by the way, while they are in that area, they undertook the training of Gaddafi's son. Remember, the Libyan dictator that was killed by Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And Gaddafi's son, Saif, S-A-I-F, al-Islam. 
Uh, they're grooming him to do what? Oh, to run the country. Ah, some more natural resources for Prigozhin's pocket and Russian backing of the alternate currency. In October of 2019, the Mozambique government hires the Wagner Group to counter the Al-Shabaab insurgency. They get paid further natural resources. In December of 2021, the EU, oh, shiver me timbers, they accuse Wagner of, quote, serious human rights abuses, including torture and extrajudicial summary or arbitrary executions and killings, unquote, and carrying out, quote, destabling activities in the CAR, Libya, Syria, and Ukraine. And folks, that's all true. But <laughs> these destabilizing activities occurred all, you may notice, in areas that were destabilized by Western influence and deep state involvement. In April of 2022, France accuses the Wagner Group of recruiting, or their recruits, shall I say, of staging the burying of bodies in Mali to fabricate evidence of French atrocity, you know, a PSYOPs program. Ah, wait till we get to the rest of the story. Hundreds of Wagner soldiers have made their ways into poor and unstable other West African nations. All, by the way, as Paris kind of winds down its military operations in these various countries, including Mali. In January of 2023, the United States names the Russian Proxy Group, that's what they called it, a transnational criminal organization, unquote. Gee, what do they name the Biden family? In May of 2023, regular Russian troops replaced the Wagner units in the suburbs of Bakhmut in eastern Ukraine. And on June 10th, Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shogu announces that Wagner soldiers are going to have to sign, there's no way around it, contracts with his Ministry of Defense, which is called the MOD, which basically kind of renders Wagner obsolete. I guess maybe Russia is making a play for the natural resources in the Wagner coffers, or who knows. This followed, by the way, a series of YouTube videos in which Pergozin is like ranting at the MOD and Shogu and basically accusing them of being traitors and competent nerds and not prosecuting the war properly. Pergozin, by the way, and remember this in the rest of the story that we're getting to here very shortly, Pergozin has been advocating using nuclear weapons. In fact, and this is almost a direct quote, he said that Russia should have pushed the button on day one. And now, for the rest of the story, you may be wondering why we're talking about the Wagner Group and Ukraine. It's so far away, and, you know, who really cares? And the Europeans can deal with it. Look, everything is interrelated in today's unfortunate global situation, okay? We have the emergence of the BRICS countries, the emergence of the alternative currencies backed by real assets, not fiat and debt as in the Western economies. We have China's Silk Road, with over now over 150 nations signed on to it. And of course, we have the conflict itself and where that conflict might go, either nuclear or tactical nuclear or around Europe or who knows where. And we know the goals of China and Russia, and to a lesser extent, Iran, North Korea, etc., the Axis. The Western press, <laughs> which is just despicable, I mean, total state propaganda nonsense. Listen to my PSYOPs stories, the five history of PSYOPs I did on this show several months ago on the rightsideradio.com. Let me give you just some of the headlines in our vaunted press over the last week while all this was going on. Wall Street Journal, this is the one I want you to listen to, that's on the website. Inside Wagner, Russia's secret war company. Coup in Russia, one headline. <laughs> okay. Putin weakened 
another headline. Ukraine takes advantage, another headline. Moscow in peril, another headline. I mean, it's all nonsense. Let's face it, folks. The whole thing stinks. The whole thing stinks. There's a word in the Russian language. It's called maskerovka, and that means psyops. It means confuse the enemy. It means distract, delay, and obfuscate. It's really very similar to Sun Chu's art of war, kind of the Chinese doctrine. Keep your enemy off balance. Never let them know what you're really doing. Let me give you just a few bullet points here. Supposedly, Prigozhin stopped, you know, 200 kilometers, i.e. 120 miles from Moscow. He got 200 miles into Russian territory with his troops, with like two or three fatalities. Russia has an air force. They could have taken him out at any time. He has no air support. Russia's much-vaunted border guard divisions let him through, gave him a free pass. The Russian army, give or take a million men, did not swing into action. He captured the MOD headquarters in Roskov without basically firing a shot. That's the command post for 25% of the Russian army. And then suddenly, as he's rolling toward Moscow, Lukashenko, the dictator in Belarus, a close ally of Russia, supposedly intervenes, brokers a peace deal, and Prigozhin suddenly turns his army around and agrees to exile with his billions of dollars of ill-gotten gains in Belarus. If you remember, Russia moved tactical nuclear weapons to Belarus within the last month. Russia has 1,500 troops in Belarus. We now learn, just in the last day or two, that Prigozhin, who was supposedly was going to Belarus in exile all by himself, you know, is bringing 8,000, give or take, Wagner mercenaries with him. In fact, they're building, at double time, the housing facilities for them. Lukashenko is Putin's pet dog in Belarus. But Putin doesn't like Lukashenko, and Lukashenko doesn't particularly like Putin. It's a marriage of uneasy convenience. The weakest states in NATO, Moldavia, Romania, etc., all border Belarus. On July 11th, in Vilnius, all the NATO mucky mucks are gathering. That's like, you know, 100 clicks, 100 kilometers, 60 miles, a split second for a missile, and, you know, an hour's drive in an armored car from the borders of Belarus. And if you remember last week, I brought you the story of this sudden $6 billion that supposedly the Pentagon had misclassified, hadn't really accounted for, that freed up billions of dollars additional dollars circumventing Congress that they could send to Ukraine when Russian troops supposedly raided Prigozhin's home and office in St. Petersburg they found all sorts of stuff including lots and lots and lots of United States dollars cash do you remember the Iranian deal that Obama did the pallets of cash dumped off in the middle of the night and then we have Vladimir Putin, who, you know, uh, he's many things, but a soft touch he is not. KGB he is. Kill his enemies he does. And he's just giving Prigozhin, who supposedly led this insurrection, mutiny, and treason against him personally, and Russia, the fatherland, as Putin calls it, and he's just getting off scot-free. You know, it's okay. Just go enjoy your billion dollars in a Russian vassal state, no less, and enjoy your life. No hard feelings. Everybody's forgiven. Oh, peace, love, dove. Folks, given all those bullet points, I'm not going to tell you what I think is really going on, particularly given the morons who run NATO in the United States, who are so full of themselves falsely, 
that they think they have it all figured out. But I will tell you, we were, as usual, in the middle of it. And the United States taxpayers are out billions of dollars that are now in the pockets of Prigozhin and Putin. And we've been played like a fiddle. We'll see how all this comes out. But at this juncture, I wouldn't be surprised at anything. All bets are off. Well, while we ponder the Maskarovka, <laughs> that accent's probably wrong, but you get the message. The Russian propaganda, disinformation, the art of war type stuff, and what they really have going over there. Let's talk a little bit about China's Silk Road. Three or four weeks ago, I did the history of the Silk Road. I give you, in the subsequent week, the kind of the financing, how they're putting this $8 trillion global project together and how successful they are. Let me kind of bring you up to speed on just a couple other little bullet points. We're going to be going over this for many shows. So in addition to a satellite city, an airfield, and an industrial area being built in Bagamoyo, Tanzania, over in the Mediterranean, the Tita Egypt Special Economic Zone is being built on the Egyptian coast, a joint Chinese-Egyptian project, I might add. And China has been participating and is currently participating in large areas of Africa. Train routes, roads, airports, industry, Zambia, Ethiopia, Ghana, all have had dams built or being built in conjunction with the Chinese. China is funding the construction of the tallest building in Africa, the Pinnacle Towers, in Nairobi. But they're in all the continents, folks. In Europe, Chinese bridgeheads, you know, Silk Road initiatives, the camel's nose under the European tent. They're building the port of Piraeus, and I may have pronounced that, my apologies. And they plan to start, very soon, associated projects such as hotels. China is investing heavily in Portugal, including a deep water port in Sines, and especially in Italy, and the Adriatic logistics hub around Trieste. They've established an international free zone at Trieste, and provide special areas for storage, handling, and processing, and transit zones for goods. Now they're building a connection from Turkey to the port of Trieste. And from there, they plan to transport goods by train to Rotterdam and Zeebrugge. And they're busy on the Mediterranean. I didn't know this till I started researching it. But actually, since 2012, there's been an annual meeting called the China Central East Europe Summit. And this group, financed by China, masterminded by China, includes the expansion of the Belgrade to Budapest railway line, the construction of the high-speed train between Milan and Venice and Trieste, and connections on the Adriatic, Baltic, and the Adriatic North Sea axis. Poland, the Baltic states, Northern Europe and Central Europe are also connected to this maritime Silk Road. Remember, the road is the sea, the belt are the overland improvements. And this is going to reorganize all the ship connections for container transports between Asia and Europe. And by the way, it will save at least four days in the transport of goods along with billions over time of associated transport costs. So the Chinese are busy while we fly gay pride flags outside the White House. It's terrific. Ha! That'll show those Chinese. I mean, you can't screw with the United States of America. In fact, our economics over the last several weeks, here's a couple of updates for you. Kind of ties right into my history of banking, history of the Federal Reserve, history of recessions over the last three or four shows on the rightsideradio.com and all the economic rat-a-tat-tat stats, the real stats, that I brought you. So, big, huge survey out there, 55,000 people, 55,000 families. And one out of five has a second job to try and make ends meet. Four out of five 
quote-unquote new jobs being touted by the administration to the extent they even exist are second or third jobs, not new jobs. More than 55% of the respondents said that they have had to cut back on spending and they are having difficulty making ends meet, i.e. making mortgage payments, car loan payments. And of course, you have 45 million people facing at the end of August, once again commencing to make student loan payments. Several indexes have slipped below 50 on the scale of 100. Below 50 means they're going backwards. Above 50 means they're expanding. These industries are employment heavy and they are investment heavy. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of the cheery news. Uh, several articles posted on the website under economy and family safety on the rightsideradio.com. Let's talk just a bit. I'm going to go into this in great detail sometime in the next two or three weeks when more is fleshed out. Let's go into detail on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's graft, corruption, treason, bribery, influencing, peddling scheme. I mean, there's more adjectives I could use, but I think that that kind of sums it up. You've heard bits and pieces. Let me give you like five salient facts until I can bring you the whole sordid story, the who, the why, the when. Number one, it's now coming out in documents, even though the documents have been slow walked, still being withheld, still being concealed, still being denied by the DOJ and the FBI. And of course, you know about the sweetheart deal that Hunter Biden got for tax evasion and breach of federal gun laws. But the House, the investigating committees at the House, particularly Comer and Jordan, are doing an excellent job of uncovering this stuff, peeling back the onion of corruption and treason layer by layer. So in the last four or five days, number one, a number of texts have emerged. They can be matched with photos and times and dates on the laptop computer, which we were told, of course, didn't exist. And if it did exist, it didn't contain anything. And if it does contain something, it's nothing to look at. And these texts, in one case, are extorting and coercing a CCP businessman who sent millions their way, by the way. There's another CCP businessman, Chinese businessman, who says, quote, nobody does the chairman's bidding better than the Biden's. Unquote. Oh, well, that gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling, doesn't it? There's now a tweet and overheard conversations by Hunter who says, Oh, yes, I saw, and this is almost a direct quote. It's, once again, the article's on the website under corruption, treason, and rat-a-tat-tat. Oh, yes, I sold a lot of state secrets. Unquote. Terrific. In the meantime, you have the unequal hand of justice under this administration prosecuting Trump down there for classified documents he took as president when he has the power to do so. But that is yet another tale that we will delve into at some point in the future. And now there's been a bunch of damaging, really damaging, and really incriminating WhatsApp postings found. You know, complete with video in the whole nine yards. Admissions galore. Gloating over the millions of dollars they received, which Comer, by the way, now estimates at between 20 on the low and 30 million on the high, just based on what they know so far that the Bidens have received. Oh, and one other interesting thing I've been telling you this for a year and a half. Guess who knew all about this and turned the other cheek? And of course, didn't discuss it during the elections in 2020 Barack Obama. Ah, what a surprise. To think that Barry was not looking out for American interests, I'm shocked. And of course, we all know the corruption doesn't end there. It permeates every agency and department, at least at the upper echelons. So now we have found out that Granholm, who is the so-called energy secretary, who, if you remember six months ago in congressional hearings, didn't know how much oil the United States produced on a daily basis. Ah, 
Well, that's that instills a lot of confidence in her leadership. But now it's come out that she owns stocks or her husband owns stocks in companies, by the way, that she is directly charged with regulating, like Ford Motor Company. Mm-hmm. And it seems that she sold $240,000 worth of stock to try and escape disclosure and scrutiny some months back and didn't fess up to it till she was caught. I'm sure it was just an oversight. I'm going to give you a little history on Joe Biden, just in case you think that he's completely off the deep end just since he got elected. In 1983, Joe Biden voted to slap income taxes on 50% of your Social Security income. In 1994, he voted to up the amount of Social Security benefits subject to taxation to 85%. And in 2000, he voted against the Estate Tax Elimination Act that would have phased out certain estate taxes by 2010. So, you see, Joe, while he's getting his checks from Ukraine, oh, I forgot to mention that, they've now been able to track source the money using accounts, deposits, investigating shell companies the Bidens and their bribers set up to conceal the trail of treason and the corpse of corruption. It seems that some of this bribe money came from Ukraine. I wonder if that has anything to do with $130 billion we've sent over there. And it's been laundered through China. Oh, okay. This is great. I'm glad to see we have a sparkling, clean federal administration up there. And of course, everybody's denying it or won't talk about it or referring you to the White House Council because we've already discussed this. Let's talk about the WHO because this is really important. WHO, World Health Organization. So they, as you know, because I've brought you the story and you've probably heard it elsewhere, at least I hope you have, they're trying to get kind of their mitts around global control of your health. In other words, from somewhere in Brussels or wherever they happen to be headquartered at the time, Switzerland, they will determine if you get locked down and if you, never mind the constitutionality, have to get a jab and your social credit score on the health level. Over a thousand amendments to their powers, increasing all of them, were made in this big conference, including with active and delighted participation by the United States delegation sent by Biden and Cabal. That assembly was just held May 21 through 30th in Geneva, Switzerland. That's right, this year, 2023. And uh, the WHO chief, you know, our buddy who is so deeply concerned about the health of the human species, remarked in his uh, address to the assembled dignitaries, Quote, the threat of another variant, God, we're still in COVID, emerging that causes surges of disease and death remains. And the threat of another pathogen emerging with even deadlier potential remains. Therefore, folks, hand us authority over your health so we can save you. They also came out and updated, oh, goody, the, quote, standards for sexuality education in Europe, unquote. And this is for kindergartners and elementary schools. Let me read directly from that document for you. Children between zero and four years old must learn about masturbation and develop an interest in their own and others' bodies. Children between four and six years old must learn about masturbation and be encouraged to express their sexual needs and wishes. Children between six and nine years old must learn about sexual intercourse, online pornography, having a secret love, and self-stimulation. And children between 9 and 12 years old should have their first sexual experience to learn to use online pornography. I'm not making this up. This is in the WHO's document. 
Needless to say, you need to write your senators and say, no, 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 nothing to do with the WHO. In fact, wouldn't hurt my feelings if we pulled out of the WHO entirely. Let's save some taxpayer money and use it where it does a little bit more good. Oh, here we are back to China again. You know, that friendly competitor, as Joe likes to call them. It seems that there's a California university... Imagine that, a university, didn't report hundreds of millions, that's hundreds of millions of dollars, folks, in funding from the Chinese government and was used to launch a joint research campus in China. Between 2014 and 2018, the University of California at Berkeley received $240 million from the Chinese government and joint ventured a project with, and I may pronounce this, Tsinghua University, which is called China's MIT, to launch a joint research facility in China. Berkeley never disclosed any of this foreign investment to the U.S. government. And in 2018, Berkeley struck a $220 million deal with the government of the province of Shenzhen to construct an approximate 1.7 million square foot research campus. (laughs) This is great. And by the way, a lot of this money was spent on training Chinese students in AI, which Chairman Chi says is necessary, I'm going to paraphrase him, to rule the planet, to establish Chinese dominance, and which China is already ahead of the United States in certain aspects. U.S. retains the lead in others. But Chairman Chi has absolutely pulled out the stops so that it's kind of their Sputnik moment. In fact, next week, I'm going to bring you the history of AI because it's the talk of the town, you need to know where all this started and how China really got interested and what kind of blew them up, their Sputnik moment, so to speak, because it has far-reaching ramifications for the United States and therefore for you and me. I'm also going to be bringing you next week a full update on what's going on in the voter and election fraud department, because all sorts of things have been bubbling out there. We haven't talked about it in a little bit of time, but you know, we are less than 18 months from the 2024 elections believe it or not. And this is going to be a really big deal if we don't get it tamped down. Fortunately, we do have outfits out there like Judicial Watch. They rock. You should give some money to them, judicialwatch.org. And they just settled a lawsuit with Colorado. Ah, blue Colorado. And Colorado's Secretary of State has now agreed that Colorado failed to remove ineligible voters from its registration rolls. Oh, you mean like all the other blue states and blue cities? And they now have to report to Judicial Watch on its annual progress in cleaning up the rolls for the next six years. In fact, since this lawsuit was settled just a little bit ago, Colorado has removed, or the increase in removals from their voter rolls has gone up 78% from 172,000. Think about how many votes that is in a state of five or six million people to 306,000 per reporting period. No, there was no problem there. These elections are clean as a whistle. Yes, sirree. So in a recent Coffee and COVID article, which cited several other studies, it now seems that there's 2,500 doctors in the United States who were paid over half a million dollars each in 2019 by drug drug companies and device makers. And by the way, one of the uh, top medical horrors in this case is a guy by the name of Peter Hotez. I'm going to tell you more about him next week because he's uh, he's hand in hand, foot to mouth with the government. And that's a direct, a direct reversal of his position before being hired by the government. In fact, to Fauci's NIH, to be exact. Hmm, must be a coincidence. It seems, speaking of health, that in the week ending the 26th of May this year, 
right? This is a month ago, less than a month ago. That's week 21 of the year in medical charting terminology. There were 11,111 deaths in England and Wales, and that's 10.1% above the five-year average, which, by the way, has been kind of a steady and increasing trend over the last two years since, oh, what was that? Oh, that's right, the jabs were introduced. And this trend, that is the increase in the fatality line, much of it caused by unknown causes, of course, and, and suddenly tipping over, but who knows why, of course, is the exact opposite of what the scientists who study this stuff expected after the end of COVID. Must be one of those other coincidences. So for our last rat-a-tat-tat, let's scratch our heads in wonder at more climate change insanity. The Scientific American, funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, of course, has now come up with a with an article, and it says that we need to forego ice for, you know, Manhattans and margaritas and drinks, etc. I mean, what's next? We're going to ban ice in hotels? Ice machines are going to be taboo? No more bags of ice for your cooler, you rednecks, buying at Safeway and Kroger's. Now, what this has to do with global warming... <laughs> and the melting of the polar ice caps, one can only wonder. But, you know, the government's been, they've been on a rampage. You know, they're banning gas stoves, which they said they'd never do. They got their fingers into washers and dryers and refrigerators and anything to do with the cheapest form, and by the way, the cleanest form, of energy around in terms of fossil fuels, propane, natural gas, etc. Now look, there are legitimate studies Legitimate. That's a 12% give or take of children can kind of get a little bit of asthma type symptoms with gas stoves and they can produce benzene in the air in households. But you know, that's a function of ventilation. That's not a function of banning a whole class of appliances that uh, give or take 150 million Americans rely on and are cheap and efficient and way better than electric, which is generated by burning, oh, guess what? Fossil fuels. Not to mention the USA is the Saudi Arabia of natural gas, of course. And by the way, the new gas stove study that just came out that the corrupt media is trumpeting, you know, like the little propaganda parrots they are, they forgot to tell you that it was funded by China. No wonder the big guy wants to ban gas stoves. He gets another million dollars a month from the red Chinese. But listen, we're just getting started. It's like a bad night infomercial, right? Biden and the EPA has decided that they're going to put a ban on regular shower heads. In fact, there's a bunch of articles. I have all this posted for you under climate change and under rat-a-tat-tat on the website. You got to read this article. It's unbelievable. They're going to ban shower heads so they will only put out 15% of the water they're now putting out. I guess we all need to invest in like BO rub-ons or something. I don't know. And this is despite on June 30th, the Supreme Court beating down the EPA on their jurisdiction over states. There's articles now, because you know the media has to jump on the bandwagon, this is all a psyops, folks. Tree Hugger, Shower Less to Help Save the Planet, Business Climate Change Magazine, The Next Green Must Have, Showers That Use Recycled Water, The Washington Post, Your Shower is Wasting Huge Amounts of Energy and Water, Springwise.com, A New Shower System Combats Climate Change and Water Scarcity. Oh, and then there's one magazine that recommends... You no longer take a daily shower. You go back to a century ago and take a weekly shower. Ah, how odious is that thought? 
We're out of time. We'll talk more about this climate change insanity next week. Look in the mirror. Repeat with conviction. Repeat after me. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do. And we will win. And to all of you, have a great fourth. Enjoy family, friends, hot dogs, hopefully some sunshine, and whatever you're doing. But remember what the fourth really is. It is the birth of this nation. And I've done some stories on the history of the Constitution. The link is right on the homepage on the rightsideradio.com. You might want to listen to it just as a reminder for how big a day this was, not only for you and me and America, but for the world. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Keep the wind at your back. We'll talk to you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side.